Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. Do you do you have a day job right I now? I do have a day job what, right what's now. What's your hustle? Uh, what, I work as a nanny. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a good gig. I definitely can kind of see like the horizon of where I'm gonna hit like critical mass, and it's like time to sort of piss or get off the pot when it comes to comedy. Where uh -huh. it's like I'll have done as much as I can do with the time I have while working full time. Because um, right now, between like my job and like all the things I do, producing and writing and teaching and all that, like I'm definitely working like 80 hours a week. Like it's a lot. That's I'm real. Tired, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I can do my best at all of those things at the same time anymore. So I am kind of at like a crossroads where I'm having to decide, what am I gonna do? What's you your know? what's your plan? Hot breath. I've never run before to the mic. This is exciting. All right, sweet. Yeah, that's your that's your water. So oh, yeah, beautiful. I was looking forward to it. To the fontis. Yes. Water. Yeah, absolutely. I know all about it. I see the post. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Let's give you a proper intro. Okay. Okay, Hot Breath Averse, welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast. This is your weekly guide to comedy mastery. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our guest today, yes. <laughs> this is comedy worlds colliding right here. I feel like this is the first of many we will be doing here. She is an Atlanta-based comedian by way of Chicago who's always had a knack for entertaining, whether it be through childhood musical troops or being on the speech team or working at a radio station, but it wasn't until a OK Cupid date <laughs> to an open mic that inspired her to pursue comedy. <laughs> Needless to say, that date bombed, but comedy wins because we now have this inspirational comedian to my left or right, whichever one <laughs> you say. Long story short, she's only been doing comedy around five years and has already started her own comedy organization called Wendy Peach that not only creates original content, it also produces local shows. And uh, well, there's a third one. Hmm. Produce local shows, content. Mm, we might be. We I might bombed be on the intro. Teaching some classes. Classes. That's yeah, it. The, yeah. I can't believe I actually. I honestly did not mean to. Right. Forget <laughs> that. I, I've been working hard on these intros, and I, I was like in here rehearsing it, and I'm like, I'm gonna get it. This is the first one that's. To bombed. be fair, that's like the newer edition of the things that we do. Truthfully, the classes the, the are classes? the newer edition. Okay, yeah, totally. It's classes and workshops. Yeah. definitely a viable resource. So definitely support her there, because she's all about helping comedy, which is what we're doing here as well. Mm. Mic Maps as well Mike is something Maps. she's working on, an app that gives you just open mics at your fingertips. So. A lot of good things going on. If you find this episode helpful, reach out to her personally. Let her know how valuable this was. Ask her questions. Reach out to us. Ask questions. But if you do enjoy this, all we ask, share this with other comedians and comedy fans. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and our iTunes. And that being said, after all that, Sam Gordon, welcome to the Hot Breath Averse. Thank you. I can't believe I'm finally here. We made you know? it. It's like, so it's like Marvel and DC matching <laughs> up, you know? I love it. I'm excited. We share such a similar like mission and passion. We really do have like very parallel trajectories in what yeah. we're doing, which is so fun. I love it. Because there's not a lot of people who do it all the way, mm -hmm. the way that we've been doing it all the way. Yeah, like, I got to yeah. give you credit because you always have something new. 
you're always creating content and you're always following through in the things that you started, which wow. a lot of people don't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I didn't realize you'd only been doing comedy like five years. Yeah. Seeing all yeah. the things you're doing, I was like, wow, only five years. Yeah, I think I was really lucky that I had kind of a head start since I did other kinds of entertainment. And mm -hmm. I also had done a lot of other kinds of production before I started. So I feel like I didn't have to learn the ropes per se as much as I had to learn how to like reapply my skills in a new job, if that makes sense. So yeah. you're like, oh, let me get you, let me get yeah. you on the, Ms. make it's just pointed toward you. So, and it seems like you're kind of on a mission because like only five years, like you're producing several shows, mm -hmm. you're doing classes. Five years into my career, I may have been hosting one open mic. <laughs> so the end, you start this organization. It's like, you're clearly on a mission here yes. of sorts. Yes, um, I think for me, I don't know, I, I I feel like I found comedy late in life, which I know is silly because I'm 29 now. Uh, but it does it does feel like, because I feel like uh, you know you go to open mics and you go to shows and you even see, I have so many friends who are a little younger than me, but they started in college or they've been doing it you know, a couple years longer and I feel like they're that much further ahead. So I think that's been part of it is I'm just like, oh my God, I don't want to be 35 and at open mics only. Like, <laughs> right, you right, know, right, like right, I'm right. cool to still do open mics forever, but I hope there's, a credit when they bring me up, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I feel true. like part of it is extreme anxiety of being behind, which is how I've always been in everything in life. Okay. Um, and then part of it is, just, I, I don't know, I genuinely just, I really like people. That's always been like the driving force in all of the different jobs and hobbies I've taken up. Uh, I like working with people and I like seeing people do things that they love to do, like, which is why I love like seeing live music and I love seeing live comedy. I love seeing theater. Like I cry at every play I've ever been to, you know? Okay. Um, so for me, I think it's just been important to make sure that comedy feels welcoming and feels like it's for everybody. Um, Cause I've definitely seen it not be that way over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just want to create a corner that makes people feel as good as I know comedy can make people feel, you know? Yeah, and you, you wrote a blog that, samgordoncomedy.com, check it out. <laughs> you wrote a good blog that really resonated with me in terms of like, you, you started comedy in Chicago and then you moved to Atlanta, but mm -hmm. you felt like almost in orbit of the scene. Yes. And I feel like a lot of comedians feel that way in a comedy scene mm -hmm. where they're like, but why am I not on that really cool show right. that happens at midnight that mm -hmm. only, only <laughs> like homeless people, people are about. at? Yeah. I want my face on that flyer. We can all uh -huh. get in our heads, but why not me? Have mm -hmm. yeah. you been able to like combat that? Oh or? man, I mean, I wish I had a clear answer because I cry about it at least once a week. <laughs> uh, I always feel left out constantly, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think is important because it's like, even though I feel like I'm one of the most doing doers in Atlanta comedy. Yeah. I know I'm doing a lot and my name and my face are a lot of places. Mm -hmm. um, I still feel like a loser all the time. Like I don't wow. know if that ever goes away. And I think especially because of social media, you just see it on a loop and it seems like everybody's doing everything without you. Right. But it's really not true. Everyone also feels like a loser and doesn't feel invited. But I don't know. I think it's the biggest thing for me was getting over that like desperate need to be picked. And I definitely still mm. complain about that a lot. Or I'm like, I just wish someone would pick me because sometimes I do feel like my success isn't um, fully valid. Cause it's like, I made it all up myself. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I made my own jobs and I'm like, right. I'm a CEO, but uh -huh. of what myself. <laughs> so like, sometimes I don't feel that good about what I've done. Cause it doesn't seem like big enough. Cause I wasn't chosen for it. Uh, but I think the big thing for me is just deciding like, no, I can make my own opportunities and those can be good too. And I don't know, I feel like if you 
just keep doing the thing that you like to do and you just keep getting better and better at it, eventually someone's going to notice, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, and if you don't believe that, you should quit right now because that's like the only hope you have to hold on to is like eventually someone will notice me. Yeah, and um, focusing on what you can control yeah, helps too. So yeah, too. I think yeah, instead of desperately like, you know, trying to get people's attention, just focus on like what you can make as an individual um, and have something to offer people. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing um, is giving yourself some kind of... I don't know, just viability where it's like, well, even if they don't pick me, I got this thing going on. And then eventually someone will notice that you're working hard, you know, you hope. And your, your attention to detail as well, because a lot of comedians will complain about, why not me? And then if someone did go to see like your website or whatnot, mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, well, why would I go see them? Mm-hmm. Like your website, it has like a media kit. It yes. has press you've done. It, I mean, it, it is like a full-blown resume of totally, who you are. Totally. And I think that um, that skill came from working in radio mm. before comedy. Um, and when I say working in radio, it was not glamorous in any way. It was like local <laughs> low-power FM in Round Lake, Illinois, <laughs> in the Chicago suburbs. Give yourself credit, though. I it's know. Still a, I mean, hey, I was credit. I was only 15 when I lied my way into that station. You lied? What did you say? Um, well, okay, so <sighs> there's this local station, uh, 98.3 FM, WRLR, and uh, there's a weekly show called J Street Radio, and it started out as a zine. It was like a local access cable show, then became this radio show, and it always focused on local bands. And I was one of those like little scene kids with oh, the yeah, yes. like at like the VFW to see her like crushes hardcore band, like for sure. Like I was a photographer for a few years, quote unquote, you know. Oh yeah, I've been the third uh, wheel of some of those oh, shows. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I was that girl, die hard. Um, I really just wanted to be the kid and almost famous, like that was my goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I listened to this local show every week because like my friends' bands would be on it. And I heard that they were like advertising an internship, you had to be 18. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem right because I want it. So I wrote them like a very passionate email about like all the reasons why they should let a minor into the radio station. <laughs> uh, and apparently it was just detailed enough that like the host of the show brought it to the management at the station was like, all right, well, this kid really wants to be here. And I don't think anybody else did, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, they had like my parents sign some waivers. And then every week my mom would drop me off at the radio station and you know, over a course of a couple of years, I went up from, you know, as being like the intern that would like greet the bands when they came in, got them coffee, sorting records, to being an on-air host. And I got to <sighs> interview bands. I got to write for the zine. I started writing for other publications doing that. Like that really set me on a really cool trajectory. Um, and by being in that environment and watching that like DIY yes. effort that came from Jesse at J Street, like that's where I learned how to like market yourself, how to just like make it yourself. Um, that was like my first introduction to that. Yeah. Which is lucky because I kind of, you know, since I was 15, I've never thought that I couldn't just make up my own job. I, think I just trusted I could. And as a comedian, <laughs> we everyone should have that mindset. Yeah, you got it. Well, that's the thing, too. I think um, especially coming into it as uh, as a woman, um, you know, as a queer person, as, you know, anything that's not you know, three specific types of white guy that we seem to love and see everywhere in comedy. Wah, 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 wah. Wah. Sorry, guys. At least you're using it for good. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, you've got the face of evil, but you're doing good with it. And that's good, you know? I'm glad to be an outlier. But yeah, I do think coming into it as someone who's not like the traditional comedian, mm-hmm. um, it can be really frustrating because you come in looking for your place and there really isn't a place for you because like no one's even looking for you. Like let alone someone who's like a minority or any other kind of like different um, so I think that like DIY mindset is super crucial to like not letting the 
I don't know, the standard uh, sort of like kill your career. Because just because there isn't a place for you doesn't mean there shouldn't be. And sometimes you need to make one and show people why it would be good to use you. Um, and that's where that DIY is really important in comedy, I think. And it's important with like DIY do-it-yourself is having an it. So mm -hmm. not, not complaining, not worrying about, well, look at all this awesome stuff other people are doing. We'll mm -hmm. create something awesome for you. Like right. really yeah. have an it. And like you have the resume, you've, you've put in the foundation. So if someone does find you, then exactly. they're a fan. Yeah, I think that's been um, my thing is just like trying to be prepared for like, so if I do get an opportunity, <sighs> yes. I've got stuff to show people. So like that's been my thing this last, particularly the last like two years. I'd say like, the first three years of comedy, I was really just trying to figure out how stand-up worked. I was figuring out like the social part of how you like get booked. Um, and I was just like working on, you know, being a comedian. Cause like when I started, I was way too loud, way too big on stage. I was always moving my hands and squatting like a little league coach. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was just trying way too hard. I had this like platinum blonde pixie cut. And I always wear these like loud ass floral dresses. And I was like, respect me, feminism, <laughs> which is great, a great message, but like, not a great way to deliver it to just like mm. punch people in the face with it so like it took me time to like develop the like stealthy way to talk about the issues i want to talk about mm. that no one wanted to hear about uh -huh. um and to, like develop my voice and once i felt like i'd hit a place where like okay i'm getting booked regularly people like my set i like my set now i feel like i can you know brand and like i built my website my first year in stand-up just because i thought having a booking email might help me get booked and guess what it did yeah um it's crazy how much you can just trick people into thinking you're a professional if you've got a website Seriously, um, that's all true yeah. when i i mean before i did comedy back with like the music stuff when i was branching out from the station and i wanted to get more writing jobs i made a WordPress blog uh, called Reviewsic, where we <laughs> reviewed music. I was 20, you know, what can you do? But, uh, you know, I would write these articles where I'd review bands and I'd go to shows and I'd do write-ups about it that no one was asking me to do. Um, but I wanted to make it look like it was a professional website, so I made up a bunch of pen names and fake profiles for writers on my staff. Oh my I made myself gosh. the editor of the blog. And then every day I would have like six articles a day. I'd schedule like weeks in advance. And all these writers would just be posting articles and like, oh my God, here's this girl running a music paper. Like, oh, look at this publication. But it was just me. Um, and I used that to get my first writing job. Like, that's how I got freelance jobs. Because I was like, look at all this stuff I can do. Oh my gosh. So, you know, you got to be a little bit of a con artist. That's ingenious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had kind of the same approach when I started stand-up. I was like, I'm going to get nice photos of myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to build a website. I'm going to get a good tape. I'm going to put it all on there. And then... I'm going to go to shows, and I'm going to follow up with the host the next day, say, hey, love the show, would love to be considered, here's my website. And it worked. Yeah. You know? It, yeah, it's crazy what you can do if you just manipulate the system. <laughs> well, fake it till you make it in a exactly, sense. Exactly, you do. Because, yeah, who's going who's gonna to give you that opportunity unless you show them that you can handle it? So mm -hmm. you just got to figure out the over, around, and through of it. But I think it's important for people to hear you focused on funny. First I got first, funny. First, get funny first. First I got funny. Get funny first. And then I tried to build an empire. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I will say, yes. like, when I was first starting out, like, in Chicago, I tried to run two different shows. Um, one was a fundraiser show. Ironically, yeah, it was for the Lilith Fund, which is an um, uh, organization in Texas that supports abortion rights, which is funny because I'm doing the same thing now, but for in Georgia. Oh, that's awesome. It's funny that it's just still following us. Um, <laughs> But I tried doing a show, it was called Friends with Benefit, 
and it was a disaster. It did not go well. It was terrible. I was awful at hosting. I had no idea what I was doing. I just booked all my friends from Open Mic. None of us were good. It was bad. It was a bad show. We only did it once, and then we were done. Did you bomb? Oh, yeah. Terrible. Terrible. I had some joke about, like, jazz enthusiasts, but mishearing it as, like, jizz. And it was like, oh, my What was I doing? It's, it's mortifying. I could go back and show you some tape. That's <laughs> truly the most painful things you've ever heard. Um, I was just trying to hang with the boys at the open mic. That's right, what it right, was. Right, right. I was trying way too hard to hang with the boys <laughs> over at Cole's open mic in Chicago, <laughs> uh, which is one of the best open mics ever. But, yeah, I was just trying too hard. Um, and then I started a show called The Combo like a year later that was a variety show because um, I was working at Improv Olympic at I.O. Cool. And um, I started a show there that had like stand-up and music and improv and sketch and all sorts of stuff. And that was really successful. We got like a six-month run. It was super fun. But then the theater decided not to renew it. I was crushed. I hated myself. And then I tried it at another theater, got a few-month run. They decided not to renew it. Crushed, hated myself. Mm -hmm. And then I like took a step back and spent more time like researching other people's shows and figuring out like, well, how are they marketing? How are they hosting? Who are they booking? How does the show format work? And then I didn't try and run another show until earlier, what, like last year, I started another show. Um, was that Da Vinci's? Yeah, it was the open mic. Because that's been over a year yeah, now, Yeah, it's been right? a year now. So like, that was the first show I really was running. Like I was doing um, here at Highwire a little bit, but it wasn't really a Consistent, regular thing. Yeah. It just kind of happened when they needed someone to fill in a slot. Um, and I still didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, I started doing the open mic, and then like a few months later, I got the opportunity to start working with Don't Tell Comedy. Um, yeah, how did that, that come up? You know, by the way, um, that's a huge. That's like that's another thing. All I did was ask. Truthfully, that's I found great. out about it. I had Boom. a friend in Boston, uh, Sam Ike, amazing comedian, um, and he was telling me about how he did a Don't Tell Comedy show on a boat <laughs> in Boston Harbor, and uh -huh. I was like, that's amazing. He's like, you should look it up. And I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, they're in all these other cities. It's this pop-up show. Um, people just rotate the show around into venues that aren't traditional comedy spaces, and it's in 30 cities now. Um, but when I looked it up, I realized Atlanta wasn't on the list, so I shot them an email, and I was like, hey, do you guys want to bring it to Atlanta? And yeah. then we, you know, we talked on the phone for a while, went back and forth, and then you know, within a month, I was running it. So then we had our first show in January of this year. We just did our 10th show this last week. And um, we're doing like two or three a month now, it's forever, incredible. like as long yeah. as we want to, because people love it, I guess. And they're so. packed. And they're amazing, because yeah, and they've created a really cool product. And that's another thing is like me seeking out people who are doing the thing I wanted to do, but mm. better than I was able to Boom. at my level. Boom. And asking to be like taken with, being like, hey, I want to do what you're doing. What can I do to either learn from you or be part of it? And then I was really lucky where I got invited to be part of it, so I got both. But I think it's good to look at people who are making the thing you want to make and ask them about it. Like, in this last year, too, I've had so many comics come up to me and ask to, like, grab a coffee and, like, have a chat. And, like, I always will meet up with people and sit down and talk and, like, share what I can share. And I think that's awesome. I think more people should do that. Yes. I think we should all do that. <laughs> like, I, just I was just on the phone with a comic on the way here. Yeah, hit me up. I'll share any information I have. Because yes. I just want everything to be fun. I just want to have as many cool shows as possible. I don't get the competitiveness. Of <sighs> yeah, it's there's there's enough for everyone. There's yeah, well, yeah, a rising tide floats all ships, right? Yeah, like, exactly. If we build a really cool community that's going to attract bigger headliners, going to attract more production, like we're the product, you know. Mm -hmm. So keep adding to it. 
You know, how, are, how are you marketing your shows? You said you kind of learned the marketing. I know yeah. Don't Tell is always packed. Yeah, Don't Tell. So like, like um, So most of what we do with Don't Tell is honestly through Facebook marketing. Okay. Um, and I think part of that is just because they started in a pretty large pool. Like they started, the first show was in Boston, and then it like really took off as the company it is now when they moved it to LA and started doing it in cities along the coast. Um, and so I think that just like attracted like a general Facebook presence and then they have like targeted marketing for all the individual events in each city. But mm. I also got to figure like because of those algorithms work, just because they have like, like any given weekend they can have up to like 20 shows happening in 20 cities. So that's like a lot of don't tell flashing around oh, on the internet. right, which they So love. I feel like yeah. it just kind of momentum, adds momentum to that algorithm. But um, yeah, the targeted marketing, but for me personally, um, for the shows that I run, I think the best marketing has been I talk to everybody. Huh. I talk to everybody I meet. I always have, so in the elevator coming up to meet you, this guy asked me, oh, what are you doing on the fifth floor? Weird question, but okay. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to do a podcast with a comedian, you know, blah, blah. He's like, oh, you do comedy? I'm like, yeah, actually, I run some shows. Here you go. And I gave him a Wendy Peach sticker. I gave him my card for Don't Tell. And I was like, what? email me if you want tickets. And that's it. I always give people a free ticket, and then they usually start coming to my shows. Like, oh, so you your show you have like an actual ticket? It's like a free ticket. Um, no, because everything's for, digital. But yeah, I have like a card, um, okay. like a business card that I'll give people that has my email on it, and I uh, say just email. Me. Take a look at the calendar, pick out a date, shoot me an email, and I'll give you tickets if you want tickets. Savvy. Um, and that's helped a lot because I feel like it building that personal connection. People will remember it longer. Um, and also, everyone loves to be approached. The same way as comedians, we want people to ask us and approach mm -hmm. us. I do feel like audience members like want to be wanted. Like I feel oh. like they can appreciate. Like I mean, don't hound people, but like it's a thing where it's like interact with people, make a personal connection, invite them to something. If you do see them at the show, be like, hey, thanks for coming. Like, take a second to talk to people afterwards. And I feel like people remember that personal connection because everyone loves to be able to say like, oh yeah, I know that person. Like if they yeah. see their picture on something or their name somewhere, mm -hmm. it feels cool. And you can BS civilians into thinking you're a celebrity if you really schmooze, so. You seem to have a really good knack for just kind of like building it and they will come. Yeah, yeah, I do. I feel like if you put on something consistent and you just, I don't know, I always just tell people to be pleasant and present that's like my like life motto is mm -hmm. like just try to be nice and try to be like focus on the people that you're talking to um, like really pay attention to like where you are in the moment because you never know who you're gonna meet or like I don't know I've just made so many random connections like at a don't tell show a woman you know came to a show thought it was great sent me an email asked me if I would help her put on a show uh, an all-female showcase at her art gallery for this oh. all-female like week-long event she was doing. Oh my god! And I was like, yeah, great. So we put that on, and now we're doing one of my reproductive fundraisers in her gallery. We're doing another Don't Tell. Wonder Comedy is going to be using that while their space is under construction, mm -hmm. and like it's opened this beautiful relationship just because I said hi to her at the end of the show and like told her to email me if she ever wanted to come back, and like easy peasy, you know? So it's like you never know who's gonna be there and how they can help you or how you could help them, so. Especially when you have a quality product mm -hmm. to provide. So another reiteration, comedians. Yeah, you need to get funny first. You need first. to get funny first. Um, <laughs> get funny or you may get that opportunity and it'll never come back around. Right, exactly, and you'll have like this great show and then you'll say something about jizz enthusiasts instead of jazz enthusiasts. And then that, that <laughs> art gallery show turns into a one-off instead of this repeat that right you're instead of this opportunity um, but yeah I think having like a package like you mentioned the media kit on yeah. my website I think that's been huge for me because even just having that um, like I showed up in like a Google search for a marketing company because of my website and now every month I get invited to movie screenings for comedies what 
Yeah, and I get all this like free swag they send me to help them promote their new movies. And it's just because she found me in a Google search because I had all the tags on my website, you know, silly stuff yes, like that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's led into this cool relationship where like now I get stuff for like the raffles for my shows and like, you know, it connects, you know, it all connects. Um, but yeah, I think having the media kit's important. I think you just need to have a solid clip between like five to 10 minutes mm -hmm. that people can see and hear you clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, some photos about yourself would be nice and uh, a little bio is, is good. And that's really all you need to get started. And from there, yeah, every time you do something like a podcast or like a really cool show that has beautiful photos, whatever, edit your website, throw it up on the blog, let people know what you're doing. Um, sometimes it feels really stupid to try. Um, and I think that's like a thing in comedy where like, mm. I remember like when I made my website and I like got myself business cards. Now, truthfully, I'd been doing it for a year, so I did look like an idiot. <laughs> but they were really nice business cards and a really nice website. And like, dang it, I was trying. Don't make fun of me for trying, but right. everybody did. Uh, or like when I made like my, my Facebook page, I was so like embarrassed and mortified, but I had had so many people ask how they could find me and Facebook's the easiest way. Just tell them, Hey, look me up on Facebook. Like, here you go. Yeah. And so I finally made it and I felt so embarrassed to like ask people to come like it. And I was just like, Oh my God, oh no, oh no. But you know what? It's worked out so well and it's helped me so much. Like who cares? There's always going to be people who make fun of you for trying too hard. But most of the time, those are people who are just insecure that they're not trying hard enough. So yeah, they're just projecting. Don't worry about it. And that's why it is important to surround yourself with people doing what you want mm -hmm. to do. Like, totally. Not, if you, you can get around an open mic and get around the same curmudgeon people that are just at the same open mics doing the same jokes, mm -hmm. never trying to get better. Mm -hmm. But really be proactive. If you want to get better, be around other comics that are getting better and doing what you want to yeah. do. Well, that's why I tell people all the time is to just at least stick around at the open mic for like three or four slots after your spot. Watch mm -hmm. what other people are doing. Yeah. A, that shows that like you care a little bit to support the show. I noticed that as a host. I always pay attention to I did out. too as a host. You yeah. always pay attention who, to who wants to be there. Yep. Um, and then you also will like pick up on either what to do or what not to do by watching people. And I think you can't underestimate the importance of like not going to an open mic one night and instead going to a showcase where there are people who are very good at comedy doing comedy exactly. and observing that, or even just like staying home and listening to your sets and like editing yourself. And I think people get caught up in the romance of like the late nights and the hanging out and like hitting as many mics as you can, the grind. <laughs> and it doesn't help. Those people aren't funny. They're just not, they're tired and they're crabby and they're not nice to be around, you know? Uh, and I was one of those people, you know, I was like tired and hung over for the first like two years I did stand up because I thought that's how you did it. <laughs> oh, like, oh, no, you can approach this like a job. Yeah, exactly. You know? And then I was like, no, I need to like put in hours like working on my my tasks, which is writing jokes mm -hmm. and, you know, promoting myself and developing my presence. And my job wasn't, you know, drinking vodka sodas at Starbucks till 1 a.m. Like, <laughs> and what is and thinking of speaking of jobs, actually, like, do you do you have a day job right I now? I do have a day job what, right what's now. What's your hustle? Uh, what, I work as a nanny. Okay. Um, right now I'm nanny for boy girl twins. It's very exhausting. Um, yeah, they're uh, they're almost two. I've been with them since they were two months old. So Whoa. yeah, it's probably the longest job I've had in a minute. Um, I used to be, I used to call myself the part-time hero because I just worked six part-time jobs every day until I died. Um, yeah, I just, you know, for someone who has as many skills as I have, you would think I would have found like a career, but I just really never did. I haven't found like a job job that I've ever stuck with. I've just done a lot of different things that I've been pretty good at, but nothing that's ever been like, I should do this. 
forever. Yeah, I mean, I jumped around, you know, but all with the pursuit of comedy in the background. Right, like, Like, I always knew I wanted to write in some shape or form. It took Mm -hmm. me a while to figure out, like, how I wanted to do it. Um, But once I did, I decided, like, okay, well, let's focus on a job that gives me flexibility. And oddly enough, being a nanny really is, like, the best job for comedians. For the hours. Yeah, it's steady, and they usually sleep part of the day if you pick the right ages to nanny. Mm -hmm. Or they'll be in school, so you're working part-time. Um, and usually you're done by five or six, so it's like enough time to get to shows. I mean, yeah, it sucks. I usually have to be at work at like 7.30 in the morning. It's kind of hard, but. Yeah, I've, I've done that. But also it keeps you from spending your whole night drinking and being an idiot. Mm-hmm. It makes you go do your set, go home, go to bed, attack the day healthy the next day. Because yeah. <laughs> so, you're in charge good. of lives. Because you're in charge of lives. You're in charge yeah, of the future are, of the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a good gig. I definitely can kind of see like the horizon of where I'm going to hit like critical mass and it's like time to sort of piss or get off the pot when it comes to comedy where uh-huh. it's like I'll have done as much as I can do with the time I have while working full time. Because um, right now between like my job and like all the things I do producing and writing and teaching and all that, like I'm definitely working like 80 hours a week. Like it's a lot. That's I'm real. tired, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't think I can do my best at all of those things at the same time anymore. So I am kind of at like a crossroads where I'm having to decide, what am I gonna do? What's you your know? what's your plan? I don't really know. Uh, I think, I definitely like wanna, I'm trying to like stick it out to stay working with my family until the kids go into like daycare or pre-K. Okay. Which really isn't too far down the road. Um, but if I can't, I don't know. I don't know, because what I'd like to do is I'd like to focus more on Producing, I really like running shows. I really like organizing shows. I think I'm getting pretty good at it. Um, I'd like to do Don't Tell every week if I can, um, but that but with Don't Tell, that's like a lot of work because it's I so much work. I have to scout venues. I have to set up those relationships. I have to go check them to make sure they are good. I have to book comics. Then I have to show up. I have to set up. I mean, I've got 40 folding chairs and a PA system in my house. That Is I, it all you? It's all me, baby. Oh I got volunteers. Gosh. I get people who like volunteer, and then I let them bring a couple friends to the show for free. Um, But yeah, more often than not, it's just me and hopefully a very friendly person at the venue who's willing to help me load in some chairs. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually have been really surprised by how many people will volunteer for Don't Tell. We get a lot of audience members who just think it's super cool and they want to like come back for free. So they come and like work the door or something, which is great. Um, But yeah, I'd love to do more Don't Tell. It's just, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy. Um, and then the stuff I'm doing with Wendy Peach, like right now, I'm producing like the open mic and a Monday night show, but I've gotten some opportunities to do other shows other places, but I just don't know when I'd physically have the time to go do that with what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. So I would love to be able to like leave my job on like a happy note, get them a replacement nanny and like, you know, fly off on an umbrella like Mary Poppins <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then come back in Mary Poppins too um, when they're adults. But <laughs> But and then be able to focus on um, just trying to do what I'm doing now, but like a little bit more because I also have like other like tiny little irons in the fire. Like there's a great um, website called Comedy Wire. Um, yeah, that you I've can. Heard of them. Um, you know, there's like a sort of set up like Reddit, and there's like a, a part that's free where you can just like write headline jokes and you know fun stuff. And eventually, like if you get upvoted and people like like your material on there, they might invite you to the pro side, which is mostly just like a bunch of freelance gigs for like radio and podcast commercials. 
for like jewelers. It's like not very exciting or uh -huh. funny. Um, but every so often there's like a cool gig on there. Like I've gotten to write tweets for like Wendy's and I've gotten to, oh. um, you know, write copy for like big festivals, like stuff like that. And this is all um, paid work. Yeah. And oh, it's, nice. you know, there's different bids. It's not a lot. But if, you know, you write a couple ads a day and you win the bid because you post your bid and you're like competing with other people for the bid and then the client will pick their favorite. And then you'll either split the pot if multiple ones get picked or you get to take the whole pot. Uh -huh. um, and usually between like 10 and 30 bucks, but sometimes they're more, sometimes they're like a couple hundred. Um, and they do like contests and giveaways. They just gave away like a free year of that master class. Um, you know, that like online class, like Judd Apatow, yeah. like Steve Martin and stuff. They had like a, a write-in contest, like write a Steve Martin-esque quip. And then they picked their favorite one, and that person won a year of master class access. This is Comedy Wire. Yeah, so like, there's like a lot like, of a lot of little stuff yeah. that you can get out of it. Um, but yeah, I would love to like focus on doing more of that during the day, and you know, submitting articles to people because I would love to like write again. Um, that's like, not comedy necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're. I'd love to audition. I have, you know, I've got a voiceover oh, okay. demo, but I've never done an audition I in Atlanta. Too, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it's just because I haven't had the time. I've never even like pursued getting like management or getting representation, which I think is something I'm starting to need to move on to the next thing that I want to do. Um, but to do that, I'm going to have to free up about 40 hours of my week. It's like, you know? yeah, it's you like, know? what is the, the yeah, passion profession? Exactly. Because I, I can see where I might be able to make more income and sustain myself, but it's also just like such a huge risk. Um, and that's very nerve wracking for me. When I, when I decided to go full time, I made a list of like all the pros and cons mm -hmm. of like, okay, if I go full time, what are all the awesome things that could happen? What's the worst case scenario mm -hmm. of what could happen? And the pros far outweighed the cons. Right. And I was just like, all right, were you, I'm um, do it. Were you married at that point? Like you were- I was not. You were single? I was living in a studio your... apartment in, in, on Boulevard. Mm -hmm. I was like the front lines of gentrification yeah, in the yeah. hood of Boulevard. First, first in line. I was. But uh, it, and I was, a, I was a hotel mini bar attendant. Mm -hmm. So like I worked my way. I like was at Enterprise and then I gradually from there took jobs that paid less but gave me more time. Mm -hmm. And I kind of weaned myself into comedy full time that mm -hmm. way. And I had a, I saved up $10,000. Yeah. And that's just what I jumped into comedy with. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I have $10,000. Let me, uh, that was like goal one, save mm -hmm. that. And then I did all my pros and cons and was like, well, it seems like, like this I can is do what this, I got to do. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Right, and which it, is weird, right? Kind of unsettling. It is. Like, well, I, I could. It's like, this is what I was born to do. Wait, should I do this? Oh, no, it's what? finally here. Like, but it is like when you, when you step into that world, then the world will start to reveal itself to you. Mm -hmm. And just opportunities will start to. Yeah, you got to kind of like take the leap, you know? Yeah. Um, you can't be available if you're not there. You know, it's like what mm -hmm. I keep telling myself. Because, yeah, I think for me, like my plan, I, I see all these like little things I can do to sustain myself. I have the time. I have some opportunities with some clubs that like nationally that like me. Maybe I could book more road work and I could start doing that because I really haven't done much of that. Yeah. Um, and I could, you know, pick up a part time job. I could do little things here and there. Like there's always ways to make little amounts of money. You know, I just have to like remind myself like it can be done. And it's not yeah. like binary where it's all or nothing. There no, are you like, you do it in steps. You, you can, can do take it. jobs. Like mm -hmm. you said, I mean, they, they call them like bridge jobs mm -hmm. where it's like just a part-time thing that'll get you to the next, whatever. Totally. Yeah. And my hope too, is that if I do pick up another, you know, if let's say I leave this job and I pick up another part-time job, I'm hoping that I can get something that's a little bit more industry adjacent. Yeah. Or like I, if I'm spending, you know, if I'm going to spend my time somewhere, I want it to be, you know, where I'm going to be around people who might be able to help me 
down the road. We're like, I'm going to build relationships. And I'm not really building relationships home alone with two babies. Right. <laughs> I'm not meeting anybody. <laughs> Maybe some of these venues you're doing don't tell that. Yeah. You never, because you're doing it in some cool places. Yeah, there's some really cool places. And there's a few that we've talked about, like extending the content and like running our own show out of that space. Huh. And, um, and I've been able to like lend spaces I've found to other comics who need venues. And, and maybe that's something like maybe that's my skill is like building relationships, finding venues, and then I can help people set up shows and act as a producer and not even have to host it, you know, like because that is what I'm really good at. I'm a great host, but I'm a better producer and I'm good at telling who's capable of doing what. And I feel like I could hire people to do that, you know, like long term. I want to do that. And wow. I want to give other people those opportunities because I want the bigger thing, you know? I think that's the thing, too, about leveling up is realizing that if you want to get up to the top, you can't still be doing the work that's at the bottom. You've mm. got to learn to delegate. You've got to find people you can trust. And mm -hmm. you got to, which is, like, something I'm working on now is trying to find people who will show up for me and who I can, like, let co-host stuff or let take over something for me so I can move on to the next thing that I want to do. Which is why it's you important, know? comics. Be around. Yeah, be around. Never be nice. Because I tell you what. I'm definitely paying attention to the people who are consistently kind and oh, not yeah. kind when I'm posting about spots. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I had people at, when I hosted my show that like just belligerently ran the light mm -hmm. and will never be back. Yeah, And I know. now when I see them, I'm like, you ran. The like, problem I'm running into right now with my Monday night, and this is like a little gossipy, but the problem I'm running into <laughs> with my Monday night now uh, is that very often um, I, you know, I'll book people a few weeks in advance and then the day of the show, they find out they're booked on a different Monday night show uh, mm -hmm. that doesn't tell them until the day of. Right. And uh, they've been told that they can't come do my show or that they, you know, they need to be there at eight to get a spot on the show that they've been booked for, which I think is a very interesting method for running things. <laughs> but, um, but because of that, they've uh -huh. been asked to decline another spot, despite the fact that my show ends at the same time that show is supposed to begin and we all know it never starts on time. So I just find it very frustrating to have people uh, treat my show like it's an option yeah. when they get a better opportunity. And like I'm watching that. I'm paying attention to never that. Never forget those. Because why would I bring you up with me if you are ready to drop me the second something better comes along? Mm -hmm. That means that you don't value me. You don't value my product. And honestly, you don't really value yourself because why would you let someone tell you where you're allowed to do your stage time? Mm -hmm. Have some dignity, man. I just don't think anybody is worth telling you how to spend your time as a performer. It's a professional courtesy. It's yeah. like people that show up late to your show and then want to go up early. Like mm -hmm. It's just little things like that that I think comics, it, they're easel, easy mistakes that can be avoided. Totally. Just and, by being a good person. And I know sometimes I set people up for failure with that a little bit because I'm a little too nice. We're like, on hmm. the outside, I'm like, yeah, no worries, no problem. But in my head, I'm like, you're on the list. You know, That's like, how, like I like I like don't don't take my um, my kindness for weakness. Exactly, which I think has been a big issue for me in this industry. Is I've gotten I've gotten steamrolled a lot, and then when I say something, everyone's like, "Why are you being such a bitch?" And it's like, <laughs> well, because I'm feeling pretty bitchy right now, you know. Um, but yeah, and that's been a lesson too: is learning that not everyone is deserving of my kindness, not everyone's mm -hmm. deserving of my generosity. Um, and I can be way too over eager to offer people stuff just because like I want people to come and enjoy it and see what I'm doing And then all of a sudden I've got like 
10 people who are like, well, can I get a spot tonight? And they're mad if I can't put them up. And it's like, well, I already booked six people. Like, what do yeah. you want? Yeah, I, I would. Re I recommend all comics run a show mm. just so they understand. Oh, yeah. Just so, Well, one, oh, hosting yeah. is great experience. Mm -hmm. I've learned more from hosting than anything. Oh, yeah. I've gotten so much funnier this year from hosting, hosting. that open mic. Ooh, I've learned so much. Yeah. Ooh. And then running a show gives you a whole new appreciation mm -hmm. for you, just the work. You just respect people's time a lot more, and you yep. understand how hard it is to book and you understand, you know, that, that question that's like, well, why not? Why didn't they book me? Or why are they booking them instead? Yeah. You start booking shows, you start figuring out why you book certain people and not others, you know? Yeah, for sure. It doesn't even come down to talent sometimes. It's about how they act at the show. Do they respect the light? Do they respect you? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. This, you learn a lot. Yeah, I do. I think it'd be great to start an open mic that has like, you know, like a central host to like kick things off, but then it is, it's like a baton pass open mic where like other comics have to host and take turns hosting for like five comics at a time. Oh, that's a good idea. Because it is a skill we all need to learn, but not everyone's capable of going and starting a show. Um, but yeah, everyone needs that experience. And I think open mic is a great way to learn. Like, yeah, it can be really brutal up here. And sometimes you still have to like keep a posse. <laughs> Even if the show sucks, you got to pretend it's really fun. Of course, and you, that you're happy to be there. And you're so thankful. Even that it's the, yeah, every week you're there. Even though everyone's complaining about yeah. it. <laughs> what do you, you, you've booked so many shows, like what do you look for in a venue? Um, okay, well like for with Don't Tell, um, the ideal things for a venue are um, overhead lights that turn completely off so we can make the venue totally black and we'll have our own light stands and lighting to make it look nice. Oh, you have a, oh, oh yeah, baby. I mean, they're just setup. from like Amazon Basics, but they work. They work. <laughs> um, so yeah, lights that turn all the way off so we can get that sexy stage lighting. Um, we've always got like a, a banner. I'm a big fan of the banner because then okay. you can turn any venue into like a professional looking space. Um, and it's literally, it's from Vistaprint. It's very cheap. Don't put it outside, it will bend in half. Um, but yeah, it's just like a little retractable banner that you pull up and it's like six and a half feet tall and it's really beautiful and it makes the stage look like you're somewhere. Professional. You know? um, yeah, and I think like having a banner or a sign, just some kind of branding that makes people feel like they're at an event and not yeah. just like a building is important. Um, and venues with low ceilings, I feel like people underestimate that. Um, you want somewhere that has like tight sound. If you have a big echoey open space, you're just gonna have a lot of difficulty hearing people, mm -hmm. the sounds aren't going to carry, it's going to sound really tinny, all your video will be terrible, um, so I think that's important. But more than anything, I think it's just important to find a place that, I don't know, has kind of a vibe, or that you can like bring a vibe to, um, and people who are excited to have you there. That's a big I thing, right? I think you need the to be venue. very, very cautious about the people that you choose to invest yourself with. Um, and that goes for like, picking venues. Not, not everyone who's willing to work with you is the right person to work with. Um, and I've definitely been approached by businesses that like want us to put the show on there. And I take a look at their space, their layout, whatever. And it's like, eh, it's just not going to... It's just not going to look good. It's going to be hard to get people in and out. It's just not a good space. And people are like salty about it, but mm -hmm. you got to do what's good for the show. Um, but yeah, I think it's just important to pick a place that's like kind of easy to get to, a little bit of parking, and more importantly, just you can create an atmosphere in. Um, Is this the same for your open mics too, where you look? Yeah, or I how mean, do you approach honestly, a venue about honestly it? an open mic, anyone who will have you. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it makes a difference. I mean, my show is a bit of a challenge. We do it out on a patio in Midtown, uh, right across from the Art Center, Marta, so it's kind of noisy. Uh -huh. um, though usually it mellows out by like 8.30, you know, traffic dies down, it's pretty chill. Um, but you know, like we're outdoors, sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cold. You can hear the exhaust fan from the pizza kitchen just kind of going, eee! 
if you listen. It's open mic. It's, it's a real open air mic. Um, but I will say, like, you know, the people at that space love having us. Like, Da Vinci's loves having the open mic. They've been so incredibly supportive. At our one-year anniversary show, they gave away, like, $100 worth of gift certificates. Whoa. Uh, they're always giving away specials and drinks for the comics. Like, they're very supportive of what we're doing, and that's why the show's been successful, because it's, like, they want me to succeed, I want to succeed for them. We're both, like, bringing positivity into the environment, and then, you know, people show up, and they either are there for it or they're not. And if people are negative about the environment, you know, you get people complain about being on a patio, complain about the fans, whatever. Um, you know, I tell them that they can just leave. How <laughs> like, did you approach the venue? Um, actually, the venue approached me. Um, oh. I got really lucky. Uh, so there's a, a really talented comedian, writer, actor um, named John Waringa that I worked with on Good Evening Tonight, that new satire show yeah. we used to do at Highwire. And um, he's like the PR marketing guy over there. And they were doing trivia for a while and it wasn't very successful, so they wanted to replace it. And initially they were gonna have me be the new trivia host. And then I went, eh, what if we didn't do trivia though? <laughs> I'm like, what if we tried the thing I actually do, which right. is comedy? Um, and so yeah, they're like, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's see how it goes. And it went pretty well. And when we started, we were getting like 15 people on the list. Now we get like 30. Um, and it's just from like showing up and being consistent and I think the biggest feedback I've gotten about my mic is a lot of people feel very like comfortable there, and they feel very um, like free to fail. Yeah, like people don't feel stupid Great. at my mic, which is really important to me. Yeah, because um, I've been a lot of places that made me feel dumb for trying, <laughs> um, yeah, or feel dumb for like trying to socialize, like it's like clicky and weird. Like I try really hard to like acknowledge when there's a face I haven't seen before and be like, hey, like is this your first time? Like thanks so much for coming out. Great. Do you know anyone? Like have you met so and so? And like I've got like. A few comics who are always there that I know are nice, and they're like my wingmen that I'm like, hey, I'm going to introduce you to someone, talk to them before we start the show so they feel welcome. Aww. And yeah, and it's like really welcome. We get a lot of people who come for their first set. Um, they bring all their friends. It's super cute. Like, it's nice. I feel like it's a very sweet, wholesome room. Um, and I think that's just been like what I always wanted in an open mic was like a space where I didn't feel like I had to have my guard up or like feel stupid if my joke bombed or like worry that some guy was going to be creepy to me. Like, because we don't really let anyone get away with anything at the open mic. Like, I'm very quick to tell people, like, hey, we don't say that word here. Mm. Hey, we don't talk about women like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, that was racist. <laughs> all right, all right. You're next comedian. Like, <laughs> Give him a hand. Yeah, this and is I do last think time here. It is. It's just like giving people a gentle nudge to let them know, like, hey, this is the culture I'm creating, and you can either help me or you can go somewhere else. Boom. Because there's a lot of rooms. And there's people who've chosen not come back to my room. Yeah. But I, more often than not, I see people change their behavior and adjust their joke, and they get funnier, and they're welcome, you know? Like, it's, <laughs> That yeah. was for you, courtesy of Wendy Peach. Yeah, all you gotta do is bomb, and I'll tell you what's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it is. It's just, I think it's important to give people feedback. Um, I don't think we do that enough as but, comics. We're very guarded and, like, competitive yeah, in that way. It's true. Even just, like, against getting feedback, so we don't want anyone to tell us what to do. We're like, no, my joke is the best the way it is. Don't we just want it all to be magic. We're like, yeah. we, we, there's something, too, like, trying can be taboo. And oh, yeah, it we're looks like, really dorky. trying Yeah, What a nerd promoting themselves. Yeah. <laughs> getting jobs. <laughs> and that, and that, a lot of that is just, like, our own negative self-talk that tells mm -hmm. us, well, because, I mean, I've done the same thing with, like, promoting, like, my classes or even, am I posting the podcast too much? Mm -hmm. It's like, that people are going to judge... Even I've been doing this like a little over nine years, mm -hmm. and I'm st I'll still, I've gotten better at stifling that voice. Right. But it, I mean, it literally took me up until last year 
to just let go of why isn't this club booking me? Mm-hmm. Every time I have, it's gone great. Do they not know who I am? Mm-hmm. It took me literally like eight years in the game to be like, oh, that doesn't matter. It's, it's out of irrelevant. my control. Yeah, it's, compl- it's irrelevant. Wasted energy. Yeah, no, I think that's a big thing to remember, and that's something I've written about in my blog a lot because I've felt that a lot of just like that why not me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to remember, like, no matter what comedy scene you're in, um, like the biggest baddest show in your comedy scene is only important in your comedy scene. You leave any other city, maybe someone will have heard of it, maybe someone has talked about it before, but realistically, no one gives an F that you did the best room in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. No one, you know, no one even cares that you did like the biggest free show in Atlanta. Like it's who cares? Yeah. It's not important. What do you got? Show me your media kit. Like show me your product. Do you have scripts? Have you made anything? Like no one's going to care that you told them you totally killed at a bar show that all your friends think is really cool. Like, yeah, that, that company isn't going to book you to their holiday event because you did great at this like show that's really popular. Mm-hmm. There's gonna, yeah, they're going to look for the professionalism. Mm-hmm. Oh, they have a resume. They have a media kit. Oh, they're, they're writing a lot. They have a schedule. Like, they're a professional. Yeah, I can find out where they are and like what they're doing. Other people are booking them for things. Other people are hiring them for things. Yes. Um, yeah, it's so much more important to, to compete with yourself and like focus on the internal stuff you can do because otherwise you'll just spend your whole time just chasing spots and being drunk at shows yeah. and you know not feeling very good about yourself and it's 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 easier said than done mm-hmm. in like that it was a process for me to where I did go through phase where like I don't even care anymore and mm-hmm. then it would slowly creep back and I'm like but mm-hmm. now I care more than ever mm-hmm. and now I have actually like released it finally yeah. but it did take just taking the step in that direction of like, okay, I need to focus on what only I can control and Mm -hmm. just that. And over time that became my main focus, but it was a process of like, okay, I'm doing it. Oh, then there's that negative again. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm doing it again. Yeah, but it's not enough or no one cares that you're doing it. That's been a thing for me lately. I've been crying and pouting a lot about how I I feel like I'm doing a lot um, for the scene by like building new rooms and trying to give people opportunities. And then I get my feelings hurt when they don't show up for them. Uh, And I'm just like, and it it makes me sad because, you know, there's comics that I, you know, kind of came up with, you know, starting here that I like feel like we became comedy buddies and they choose to go to a different open mic instead of my open mic or like they choose to go to a different show instead of my show, even though I like offer them a spot or offer them buckets, you know, like trying to give them opportunities Mm. and reason to be there. But like, I'm just not the choice. Um, and that hurts my feelings a lot because like people I really like and I think they're so funny and I want them to want to work with me, but I'm not as important as other people are to them. And that's that hurts the story my feelings. you tell yourself. Yeah, and that's what it feels like, you know, because yeah. they're like blowing me off for these other things. Um, and it hurts my feelings all the time. But I also need to like look at like all the people who are coming to my shows, who are performing on my open mic, and who look at me as like a goal and look at what I'm doing as like, because I think it's an important thing to remember too, is that like no matter what stage you are in anything, at some point there's someone below you and what you're doing is their goal. Yeah. Like you're someone's goal. Like you've got what someone else wants desperately. And that's awesome. Like appreciate where you are. And then it's like, I'm really focused on what you have and what you don't yeah. as opposed to what you don't. And that's been like a really good like coping mechanism for me. Cause always I get really caught up in it and I have this feeling like everyone's hanging out without me. No, none of my peers think I'm funny. Like, yeah, I get booked and I'm a good comic, but no one really likes me. Like, that's how I feel, really. I do. I'm like, no one here likes me. But it's almost like when you're on stage and, like, you're getting laughs, but you're like, but they're not loud enough. Yeah, it's, it's just not it's, good it's, enough. They're not crying while they they're laugh. They're not screaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know? I'll, do, I'll be in the middle of a set and be like, it's just not. I'm like, ugh, not I, one person has shit their pants. <laughs> What's the point? But yeah, yeah, it does. And that's kind of the thing, too. It's like the more you do it, like the 
you know, it's it's like drugs. Like the it more is. you do, you're chasing a different high, For and at a certain sure. point, like that doesn't fulfill you anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I want more. How do I get more? Um, and I think that's when you need to start doing something different. Instead of doing more of what you're doing, you need to try a new thing. Ooh. Like when you start feeling impatient, like you're not doing enough. And that was a big thing for me. I started getting itchy with stand up, like I wasn't doing enough. So I was like, I'm going to focus on sketches. And then I was like, no, I'm going to focus on TV writing. And then I wrote a bunch of pilots and I wrote a bunch of specs and I started teaching other people how to do that. And it was like, okay, now that's a new skill I have. Yeah. And it's also not enough. And now <laughs> on to the next thing. But I think that's a good coping mechanism. You feel frustrated. You know, try something else for a little bit. Try Shift your focus. There's uh, so many arenas that connect. And today in comedy, you got to do everything. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to do all of the things. So it's important to take classes. It's important to watch other shows. It's important yeah. to go to other kinds of theater and entertainment, see what they're doing. I've learned a lot about hosting from watching wrestling. Not gonna lie, like Great. like indie wrestling has what? been a big thing for me. Learning about that like showmanship and the uh-huh. attitude and controlling crowds, like there's so many things that relate into how you command on stage that you can adapt. You know, who who's it's your favorite big. wrestler? Oh my god, I don't even know. Oh, honestly, okay. <laughs> it's just literally I just like well, I have a bunch of friends who follow indie wrestling in Chicago, and I was always seeing like clips and was like, oh, what are they doing today? And it's like, oh man, they got a pop punk band with them. What they got married at the show? Like. <laughs> The drama, um, but yeah, or like I, I really love that documentary about gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh, I haven't um, seen it. So good. I've watched it probably like forty times because like watching, listening as women talk about how like they develop their stage characters and their wrestling personas, and mm-hmm. I'm like, that's some deep personal digging that you did, and you <laughs> turned it into the goofiest shit I've ever seen. But it's also like purely them, you know. And I'm like, yeah. that is so cool because I think it's so important to have like a strong identity as a performer. I think that's what's going to carry you through. I feel like that's what's carried me is I feel like I've always known like who I am. I've always had like my standards and uh, I feel like that like sense of self really shines through in how I interact with people. Um, and I feel like I'm pretty good at helping other people figure out their thing too um, because I'm open and I'm encouraging and I think that's carried me very far in this industry. <laughs> Self-awareness is yeah. crucial and yeah. it's something I've I've bouted with and like I literally like last week had a new pivot in like my self-awareness and my approach and I had been been doing these classes for a while and I had been focusing my energy I felt like I got to do a crossroads kind of like you're you're almost it was interesting timing of this Mm -hmm. because like you're you're at this crossroads of like okay I have my day job but then I have my comedy and have a vision for how to make comedy work Mm -hmm. so what do I do and then I, I was at a crossroads where I kind of lost sight of why I started comedy to begin with. Mm. And it wasn't, I love helping people. I love connecting with comedians. My favorite thing is just on the way here, a comedian called me like, right. I got into this festival I heard about on your podcast. It's mm. great. And that's my favorite. But I've been too focused on like, okay, well, I've, I'm teaching classes independently now. Well, I've got to do, mm-hmm. I got to have three tiers and I got to have a workshop once a month. And then I got to get these Skype calls and like, and then I was focusing so much on that as opposed to, but I'm a comedian. I started comedy because I love comedy. I should focus on me mm-hmm. and like the more I do, the more I'll be able to help people. Mm-hmm. But me spinning my tires trying to force my way into helping people is not doing anybody a service. Right. So just last week I had to take a step back. I made like a five year plan and then broke it down by year. Okay, by year one, I want to achieve this. By year two, three, all the way up mm-hmm. to four and five. And I'm now focusing on like 
getting booked and making mm -hmm. this podcast like an actual comedy network. And totally. And it took, I mean, it took, like you said, you know, trial and error and you try different things. And eventually I came just full circle to why'd you start comedy? Yeah, what's, what is this all for? What was yes. the goal? Because, yeah, I do. I can relate to that a little bit, too, with like starting like producing more. And then I you know, started teaching last year. And, you know, trying to like generate that and maintain that, it definitely takes up a lot of the time. And I felt like I wasn't being as creative as I wanted to be. And even though I was trying to like write with my students when we were in class and trying to also like workshop stuff with them, I also needed to focus on them and not me because I'm mm -hmm. the instructor. Um, and I did feel like I wasn't like creating new stuff enough. Um, and I had to kind of like take a little hiatus from some of my other like sketch things. Like, so at a point I was like directing a sketch team. I was running Don't Tell. I was running the open mic. I was teaching a, a TV spec writing class. I was teaching a stand-up class. And we were still, no, we weren't doing Good Evening Tonight anymore. But um, through all that, it was like, when do I write new jokes? When do I, yeah, the 20 minutes before the open mic on Tuesday, that's when I write my new jokes. Right. And they're all garbage. And then I'm in a bad mood the rest of the night. Because yeah. I know I tank. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't spend the time working. Because you weren't prepared. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, it's important. It's easy to like kind of let the business like run run you over a little bit. Because you also, you know, you have to do so much admin work when you're doing that. You've got to do like, I don't know if you have someone for your website, but... You know, you got like update stuff, you've got to do social media, you got to mm -hmm. answer emails. Like there's so many hours of work you have to do even before you get to the comedy part when you're running like a comedy business as an individual. Which is, um, which you are a business. Which has been super hard for me to like manage this year. I feel like I'm not generating as much new content as I want to. Um, but I think, yeah, it's important to kind of pick what am I going to focus on? Because you can't do everything at once. Exactly. So yeah, like right now I'm focusing on building the business and you know, after that's going well, I can hire other people to help me run stuff. And then I can go tour more. I can go do this. Like, it's about picking those pieces apart, like we were talking about before, like doing it step by step. Um, but yeah, it's easy to to forget the creative part because you're so busy trying to market yourself. And when you get <laughs> when when comedy is your job, and you're like, but this is a business, and like I even went so far as to like, well, maybe I'll do public speaking about comedy because. I was looking into the speaking world and they're getting like 10 grand a gig. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, maybe I'll do that for a little while and just save up money and then come yeah. back. And it's, but it's. I got a friend who's like doing, he's not. He's on American Ninja Warrior, right? And he's like on the new season of American Ninja Warrior because he's like a very fit man. But he's also a comedian. He's also one of the guys who runs Don't Tell Comedy. What? Uh, Alex Weber. But he also has done like TED Talks about like comedy and like physical strength and like overcoming challenges. What? And he's like a he's like a motivational speaker as well as a like performer and an athlete. Oh and I look gosh. at him and I'm like, I gotta figure out what that guy eats for breakfast because <laughs> I he's doing it but yeah so it's like you see like those gigs and those big engagements and you're like okay maybe I need to focus on that but then I feel like it takes me away from like what it I came here to away. do but it's like but maybe if I do that and make money then I can come back to what I wanted and uh, but I get really worried about waking up like 10 years from now and like just doing the same thing I'm doing now and not feeling like I've developed creatively yeah. so I get nervous because um, yeah the business part is really cool but the whole point is the comedy. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why I wanted to share that because, like, at every level, a comedian is like doubting themselves or mm -hmm. trying. We're all like still just trying to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, and I know people. I mean, I've got friends who are writing staff of major shows. I got a friend who just became the head writer of the James Corden show, mm -hmm. and like he's still anxious about not getting booked at certain venues or like whether oh. or not he'll get into stuff. <laughs> like he's still worried about Ooh. his job. You know, people have all sorts of problems. Um, yeah. You know, I have friends who are on staffs that have been there for a long time. People who just started. There's anxiety across the board because it's all the risk and it's all vulnerability and 
you know, at the end of the day, what we're really trying to do is convince people to like us. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the hardest thing to do. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's important no matter what level you are, people are struggling. And I feel like I'm trying really hard to be transparent about that and like let people know that like I don't have it figured out and it's okay that you don't do. And like we can all help each other no matter what level we're at, you know? Yeah. I think it's important to be transparent as well and like almost be not trying to be the hero. But yeah, don't act like, oh yeah, it's just so easy. I just wake up like this with opportunities. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. You gotta let people know how you did it. Mm -hmm. That's just cruel. I don't know. It just seems, I was just, also don't you wanna share like that struggle and like get the pat on the back that comes with it? Like mm -hmm. people aren't gonna like you as much if they think you just woke up hot and funny. Like you gotta let people know that you were an ugly, unfunny person for a long time. So when do you think you're going to jump in? Uh, what do I you, don't know. When is, what was the deadline with the, when they take on daycare? How long is yeah, that? Yeah, so like, well, they're about to turn two. We're going to start potty training them soon. And that's really the breaker. Once they're potty oh. trained, we can ship them off to anywhere we, we want. Can uh, off. We can ship them off. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that I can stick around. And I can make the schedule work. But um, my goal is by 2020 to not be doing, at least not like the hours I'm doing. I'm hoping to at least, you know, if I don't fully quit my job, maybe we can coordinate something where I'm part-time or maybe I, you know, whatever. Start taking that like transition job that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping that the job I have now can be part of that, but I also like realistically, I know it's like time to do something else, you know, yeah. So I'm hoping by January, I'll be like, okay. So January. That's like kind of my goal is to sort of see, try and get myself right in this next six months. Okay. Um, I kind of like made like a short term plan and it's like if I can accomplish that plan in this next six months, then I feel like I'll be like on a good path to like take the leap because I do know I can't do anything else until I have more time. Like realistically, I need mm -hmm. more time and I'm not going to get that unless I change my work situation. So one thing has to happen first. <laughs> Focus. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to give myself some time to you know save some money, make sure my plan is as viable as I think it is. Yeah. Um, kind of test it out and hopefully have it work out. Plan. Plan. Have a plan. Plan. Self yes. self awareness and having a plan. It's true. And being willing to adapt the plan. That's been a big thing because sometimes your plan does not work. <laughs> and you just have to like pivot and, or. And you have to, yeah, and you just have to be prepared for that. That's been a hard thing for me too because I, I am kind of type A and I plan, 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 and then stuff doesn't go the way I want it and I like have a total mental breakdown for a minute and like mm. melt, meltdown. I'm a crier. That's just who I am. I'm, I didn't notice. I'm a this, crier. This interview, you're like multiple times, you're like, I just ball. I just I cry just all the time. Yeah. Um, it's very helpful, but um, honestly, my skin's never looked better since I started crying. Like, <laughs> honestly, I used to never cry and then I got real in touch with myself. I cry all the time, glowing, <laughs> glowing. Um, but yeah, I think you just got to, Take it one day at a time and hope it works out. That's what but I'm have doing. A, I like. I like you. You having a plan. It's like you're, you're not just complaining about why not me. You're like, well, let me let me let try me, something. Let me create a plan. So I would challenge all comics. If you're not where you want to be, I think a great things we've learned is to okay. If you're not where you want to be, figure out where you want to. Yeah, be. Yeah, that's important. Don't just say I want more. I want better spots. Pick some spots Specific. that you want. Pick some shows that are tangible, especially in Atlanta. There's so many great shows that have bucket spots on them. And you show up, you get in that bucket, you perform. That's your audition for that booker. Yep. And that's how you're going to get booked on other shows. And I'll say, you know, with my own show, I mean, the system that I've specifically set up is I've got the open mic on Tuesdays to see people for their first set or their new set, whatever. And then from there, if I see them, I like them, then I'm going to invite them to come to my show at a matzah on Mondays. 
and give them that showcase set of that like eight to 10 minute slot. If they do well there and I like them, it seems like other people do, I might let them come do like a shorter set on Don't Tell, which has like the big game audience, you know? So like my whole plan is to vet people because I don't want to have to be chasing people around a book. I want to know that who's funny. So I'm setting up shows for people to come show me what they can do. And it's so interesting how many people are not picking up on that opportunity I'm putting out there. And I'm being very clear. I tell everyone, this is how I book my show. <laughs> Joe Pettis did the same thing. Exactly. He's like, Be, come to my shows, come to the open mics, and then you might get booked yeah, on something. Yeah, I will tell you. I will always tell you how I book you or how I, if I will or will not book you. Send me a clip. I've got on Windy Peach, I've got a submission form. All you got to do is put in your name and your email and your clip. It will come to my inbox. I will watch it. If I think it's funny, I will offer you a spot on something, you know? Or if you even use want notes, I've had people message me asking for like feedback on their sets, like new comics on my yeah, open I've mic. Yeah, I've done that too. Yeah. And I'll do that for people too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, all you got to do is send a tape. And I feel like the biggest thing is like, you always have to ask because people probably have forgotten you exist because they didn't see you in like the last 48 hours right. or something, you yeah. know? There's a lot of people, especially hosts, they see a lot of comics. Um, so it's not that people don't like you or ignoring you. They just forgot you exist. You got to just remind them. Nothing that showing up to the show, helping clean up afterwards, mm-hmm. sending a message like, hey, this show was so fun. I would love to be considered. What can I, what can I send you? Asking if you can send a clip is great. Most people will say yes. And then they'll either watch it or they won't. And that's all you can do. But I feel like sitting around complaining about not having enough spots without ever having a specific goal you're that's you're gonna stay in open mic purgatory for the rest of your life you know purgatory is such a great analogy it is it is uh so yeah you just gotta figure out what you want and then start approaching people about how to get it and sometimes it's as simple as asking someone above you like hey do you know how they book so and so show or like hey do you think so and so would be open to getting a tape and if you're talking to me i'll tell you whether or not to do that you know like i'll let you know what i know i'm not gonna keep secrets know what know what you (laughs) want who has it talk to them about Mm-hmm. Yeah, ask how you can is. get it. Don't ask if you can have it. Oh, ask yeah. how you can get it. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Don't come in assuming you deserve it. Just ask what you can do to be considered. Yes. And if they're nice, they'll book you, or at least tell you how. And if they're not nice and they don't tell you how, maybe it's not that good of a show. I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Who, who wants to do a show for someone who's not going to help you learn how to do their show ever? I just I don't know. I don't like people who play things that close to the vest. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't either. There's yeah. enough to go around. That's what I don't... Yeah, there's so much. <laughs> my favorite part about this podcast is getting people to share, like, the recipe. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, I mean, you still have to cook it. Like, 100%. And it's going to come out differently. Yeah, and there's so many different it's, ways to make it, you know? There's, you have to do the work Yeah, still. you just got to figure out what applies to your skills and to your goals and do those things. And it's different for every person. You don't have to follow everyone's path. Definitely make your own. It's going to be a lot more enjoyable. <sighs> this. Well, first, ugh, all right, we're, we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> but first thing we're going to do is we're going to come back in January of yeah, 2020. Yeah. Because we're both, we're both, like, you set a six-month plan. Mm-hmm. I, I actually have a six-month plan for this year as well, mm-hmm. in addition to, like, the year the, the and two-year all the way yeah. long term. So we're going to come back in January. We're going to revisit and it's funny, this is halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. So you just jumped the line as well. We're going to release this next week. I have like <laughs> six in front of you. And we're going to jump the line because <laughs> I feel like halfway through the year, we, we probably all started out of like, this is the year. And mm-hmm. then halfway through, we're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to help everyone come back, come get to center, create a six-month plan, figure out what you want, 
and then now start connecting with the people that have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah? You yeah. like that? Yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that. That's so exciting. It's a good idea. Yeah, okay. Like so it. we're going to come back in January of 2020, and we're going to follow up on this six-month plan. You comedians, create your six-month plan. Hold yourselves accountable. There's a Facebook group called the Hot Breath Comedy Network. If you want to join it, share maybe your six-month plans on there. We can all come together and start to help hold each other accountable. Connect with Sam directly, just like you reach out to me and you're like, this was so helpful, or thank you for posting this. Let Sam know as well. Start connecting with her. She is, she's good people, people. Yeah, let me help. She's a member <laughs> of the Hot breath of hers, okay? She, so reach out to her. Let them know where everything, where they can find you. Oh, and all yeah. Um, so all social media handles, I'm what Sam just said. Um, or Wendy Peach Comedy is where you could follow uh, my company. Um, SamGordonComedy.com is my website. WendyPeach.com is the business's website. Um, you can find my Facebook page for both me as a comedian and Wendy Peach. And then follow Don't Tell on all social media. I will say Don't Tell, their Instagram, they often give away cash prizes and free tickets and all sorts of fun stuff. Mm. So it's a great uh, account to follow. Um, but yeah, come out to a show, come say hi, I'm very approachable. And honestly, I've lived here for three years and I don't got a lot of friends. So, uh, Aww, you know, it's hard friends. It's hard to make friends when you're so busy. You know what I mean? Like you don't get a lot of social time. So I'm always looking for new people to hang out with, so. But people care. You know, you know people, pe people care. People care. Like, yeah, like if I got hit by a bus, like people, there'd be like a Facebook page about it. Like <laughs> if someone would set up like a GoFundMe, like, you know. <laughs> Like, I'm not alone, but yeah, I know it is. It's, it can be a lonely world doing comedy. We also often feel yeah. like we've got more friends than we do because we all hang out at shows. But yeah, come say hey. Come be social. Yeah, I wanted to, um, you did this Facebook post. Mm. I'm, I wanted to read it <laughs> at the beginning of the show. <laughs> but, um, and then no I, I pulled it out is. halfway through and I was like, this will be the time. And then I was like, it's not the I time. I have no idea what this is. But I wanted to read this for all comics just moving mm. forward as you embark on this, that you're not alone in this, but... This you posted this on um, it was like in June, June 11th. Do you, does this look familiar? Yeah, this look yeah, familiar. yeah. This was the one we had talked about doing this mm -hmm. several times because we just share the same like passion and energy. And then you posted this, and I was just like, this needs to happen like now <laughs> because I've been here several times, and even like very recently, as like last week, I was here in terms of like what, what am I, mm -hmm. who, why, why am I even here? So this is. I don't know. Did you delete this after? Do you remember if you deleted? I don't know. Okay. It Sometimes I do delete posts because like too much is going on on them. You know, okay. people start commenting. I'm like, all right, well, I shared my feelings. I don't need to hear yours. You know. So this says, or do you want to read it? No, you, you oh, can read you want me it. to yeah, read it? I'm okay. Here, you read this is it. audiobook. Okay. Mm. Sam Gordon. This is June 11th. I'll definitely get embarrassed and delete this later, but people keep telling me I'm killing it lately, and I just want to be honest that my comedy hustle is not as cool as it looks. Don't get me wrong, I'm really proud of all the things I have done to DIY my way into comedy, but I feel really burned out and I wish someone would see what I do and just pick me for something. It would be very validating if the universe could send me confirmation that I'm doing okay because I feel like a loser. Exclamation mark. <laughs> I have been working very hard and creating a lot of opportunities for other people while waiting for my turn to come up. I'm trying to trust that it will, but if the next time you see me, you could tell me something you respect about me <laughs> or think I'm good at that might help get through another year of waiting to catch a break. And then I commented, the universe called and wants to hear you on hot breath. It was so <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> but that's, that's just, 
It's like a, a glimpse into the side of comedy that people don't see a lot. That yeah. we can get lost in the Netflix specials and like, oh, this is so awesome. But like, that that's comedy. That yeah. you're not alone in these feelings. Yeah. That every I've interviewed people 25, 30 years into this game. We all go through these ups and downs. So it's like at any level, you're not alone. You're not immune. So we're here yeah. to help you not feel alone. So connect with us on all the social media. If you do want to learn more about Hot Breath and all the episodes, hotbreathpodcast.com is the best place to check out the blog we have going on, pick up merch. There's also a fun donate button Ooh. in the top right. It would mean the world if you just slipped in a couple dollars there, no donation too small, but that keeps this Hot breath averse free and supporting mm -hmm. awesome people like Sam here. So all that being said, go forth. Six month plan. What do you want? Connect How, with people yeah. that have it. How can you get it? Yeah, I think we could even maybe set up like a list in the group of like, what are some oh. tangible goals? Like, hey, okay. if you're at this level, maybe you should try to aim for this. Or like, maybe you tell us what your goal is and we can give some advice on how to accomplish oh. that. Or, you know, yeah, some stuff okay. like that. Get some conversation going. Great idea. Because, yeah, it'll be different for everybody at every level. But mm -hmm. I think there's a way to connect with whoever you're hoping to work with if that's what you want. Boom. Yeah. All right, Hot Breath Averse, you have your homework. We'll see you next Monday. Bye. Bye. All right, Hot Breath Averse. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. If this podcast has been helpful to you and you want to show support to it, go to hotbreathpodcast.com. There's a cute little donate button at the top with a heart. You can click on there. No donation is too small, but it really would mean a lot to me if you did show your support of all the work we've been doing here to bring you a weekly guide to comedy mastery as we call it now and if you would like to sponsor the podcast go to hotbreathpodcast.com as well there's a contact form at the bottom you can send a message to me directly let me know what kind of service or event or product whatever you're trying to get in front of the hot breath of earth, i want to help you make that happen so hotbreathpodcast.com to show your support and donate or let's partner up with a sponsorship Doing this podcast has been so rewarding, and it's because of listeners like you that actually listen to the outros. So your loyal hot brethren and sistren, of course, thank you to my wife, Erin Byers, as I thank her at the end of all of these episodes. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. <sighs> Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.